to our humble establishment known as Run the Real. I am Detective Dan, and I will be your host tonight as we are searching for a murder. I suspect foul play. I am Colonel Terry Mustard. And um, I wasn't in the room at all when the murder <laughs> happened. It can't be me, I swear. Well, it's me, Fox the Duchess Peacock Jackson. And obviously it can't be me. I would never murder my beloved fiancée. Hmm. And I am the character who drinks too much scotch. I was out <laughs> on the porch with a cigar and a glass of scotch when this murder <laughs> happened. And I am, of course, Detective Dan. Someone has paid me to come to this here establishment and discover the identity of our masked murderer. Wait, you're getting paid? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> Surprise! Hold the phone! Hold Surprise! <laughs> I just thought he was here because he liked us. What? The truth is out. We have a new mystery here. It's not a murder. Who's the mysterious benefactor? Hold on. <laughs> I need to talk to this guy. I do suspect foul play. <laughs> Anyways, we're Run the Reel, and we are in our Who Done It category, and we watch Knives Out. Yeah, the uh, bounce back film, I guess. From Ryan Johnson, hopefully the less controversial film, if anything. This <laughs> <laughs> well, was his first film after Last Jedi, so. Yes, he was director and writer for this movie, so he had full creative control. I was very excited to see what he would do after that, because I, I figured he'd probably get like a bigger budget from working on such a high franchise, so I was figured he'd probably get a chance to do whatever he wanted, hopefully. And he spent it all on this awesome cast of characters we have here it is a very clue-esque cast we have down from the outfits the colors to the personalities to the different um just little quirks that each character has even to the setup with it it's in the house you know this this millionaire's house with all these different rooms and secret passages and stuff yeah, and it's not something you really see very often these days either. Yeah, I don't know. The last time I saw yeah, a murder mystery in theaters, it had to be like at least like four or five years ago. Well, there's been murder mysteries, but they've taken on a different tone from what they were in the past. There's a lot of murder mysteries that are black and white movies that are more similar to this one. And then, of course, we had um, the original Clue movie that this one is very similar to as well. But murder mysteries have kind of taken on a form of like Zodiac or Seven or the girl with the dragon tattoo in the last 20, 30 years. So they've really changed to more of a less mystery focus to more of a crime mystery. Like a thriller kind of thing, yeah. Thriller, yeah. Crime mystery thriller is where they've kind of gone, where it's more of a, a shocker with the way the murder was done than mystery behind oh who killed so and so with the knife in the ballroom that kind of style i do hope this heralds a resurgence in the genre because we about lost it with the remake of murder on the orient express i was curious about that one but yeah i never went and saw it <sighs> you know this one is inspired by some of that source material and i i just i think this one may have captured the feel of agatha christie much better than 
the movie that's a uh yeah a make of one of her novels the adaptation yeah <laughs> so when i heard fox talk about that movie murder on the orient express he never talked about the story all he talked about was Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is a legend, and I will hear no negative talk. He is the man. <laughs> Wait, is he the detective? Yeah, he's Hercule. And he also directed Thor. He did? Yeah. He was also the general in Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, who was on the beach. The blonde-haired guy. Oh, weird. He's also directing a new Agatha Christie movie that's set to come out, I think, next year. Death on the Nile. He's going to play in it, too, it looks like. Oh, yeah. He'll be reprising his role. We'll say, I do hope that that is his mustache that he grew himself in that movie. I don't know if it is, but it is an excellent mustache. <laughs> but we're, we're getting off track here. We are. We are. Bringing it back around, yes. Nothing like a good mustache to distract us. But, yes, Knives Out was released last year. 2019, and it has an 8.0 out of 10 on IMDb with 82 Metascore. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 97% tomato meter and a 92% audience score. So this is pretty highly rated all across the board. I'm pretty sure it was nominated for an Oscar. It was. It's nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Did not win it, but... Um, it was nominated for it. The, I guess, the main synopsis of this one is we have our detective Daniel Craig who's investigating the death of this patriarch of this very diverse set of family members who have all these weird different quirks and personalities. Yeah, and he's a he's a murder mystery writer himself, the, the patriarch. Yeah. And so his house is like designed around... His books and stuff. So it's got this really like, I guess, I'm, I don't know if tongue in cheek's the right word, but this really like interesting looking house that really like feels like it would take place, you know, a more classic murder mystery would take place there. There is a lot of plot twists in this one. So if you have not seen this one, it's more recent. It's 2019. We're, we're going to spoil this one. So go watch it before you listen to this one, because especially with these movies in this category, you'll probably want to have seen the movie before you hear us talk about it. Unless you just like listening to us talk about movies. Ah, yeah, our, our dulcet tones. <laughs> <laughs> but I would still recommend, yeah, if you have any interest at all of watching it, you should watch it first. We'll always be here when you get back. Yeah. Yeah, so what did you guys think about this one? You know, this one very much caught me off guard. I, uh... You know, we had just come off the whole Star Wars thing. I wish, I mean, I say just, you know, it had been a while, <laughs> but it was still pretty yeah. fresh. I mean, might have been festering a little bit for you. Yeah. Like, I was pretty <laughs> nervous about this one because I'm not a big fan of Looper either. You know, so my like experience with Ryan Johnson had not been great up until this point. But this, uh, this captured a lot of nostalgia for me. We can get into that more later, but I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was very skeptical when I first saw the trailers for this movie, and they were very much, like, teasing that this was a Ryan Johnson movie. I don't know if he had anything to do with creating the trailers for it, and he was like, put my name up there, I don't care. But they were, it was really in your face that Ryan Johnson had done this, and that it was going to have this big cast which had Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, 
all the way down to Frank Oz is in this movie. And I was skeptical, but I, I love these whodunit movies a lot in this style. And we hadn't had one like this. I haven't seen a movie like this since the original Clue. So I was very intrigued and I was like, you know what? I'm going to give him a fair shake on this one. It took me a while to watch it, but I always wanted to watch it since I saw the first trailer. Yeah, that trailer sold me on it, too. I was, like, all in when I saw it. It looks so cool, so stylish, and just the um, Daniel Craig Southern accent's really what sold me. Because I suspect foul play, and I was like, ooh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> is he going to talk like that the whole time? Because if he's in this movie and he talks like that, I'm going to go see it. Yep, that sold me on it, too. That and just the stellar cast. Man, I haven't seen a cast this good in a movie in a long time. So just those two things alone. And that uh, is going to be a proper whodunit movie had me interested in it. I was kind of torn, you know, like I was worried that it wasn't going to be a proper whodunit because we all know how Ryan Johnson likes to be with genres. But the cast, I mean, how do you argue with this cast? I mean, good God. Yeah, odds are you're going to like somebody in this movie. Like, <laughs> you're be like, oh, I love so-and-so. I'll go see it. There's so many names in here that, yeah, it's going to draw at least somebody in. I was thinking when I was watching this, I was like, man, it's so great just seeing an ensemble this talented and this well-known getting together to do a fun, crazy movie like this. It really, like, nails and hits home how nice it is to see experienced established actors who are like perfect in their craft come together to do something like this it really puts it in perspective not like not to say that any newcomers and stuff are bad you know i mean comparing it to like star wars the new ones with all the the new coming actors and actresses right not that they're bad by any means but i don't know it's like sitting back and watching a master at the craft come in and just giving it his all and having fun with it. It's it's refreshing and it's a nice it's a nice reminder of why we like all these big named actors and actresses. Yeah, you you bring up a good point, Dan, because all the actors in this movie kind of play a different take on things they've already done. Like you have Daniel Craig who is, you know, most famous for James Bond, which is he's the investigator CIA guy who he just kills everybody but we get to see him take this actual investigator approach to it like this private eye you get chris evans who is captain america who actually is the bad guy he's a dirtbag <laughs> in this movie oh man i love it <laughs> he's a jerk you, you get anna de armas who plays like the the hot girl the eye candy in all these movies and you get to see her in a kind of a, a nurse role to where she's at her you know like everyday aspect and it, it's kind of fun. Those are just the, the top three I'm looking at here on the IMDb. But every character has some kind of twist on other roles they've played before. So it's fun to watch them do these new interesting roles. And they just own it. Every single person in this movie owns it. I liked seeing Tony Collette play the, the ditzy, like, 
mom it's so weird i can't i can't break away she's so scary it's like she makes the same faces she makes in hereditary but just the context of the scene is different in this one it it terrifies me still this movie's yeah it's just cool because you can tell like they're all just having fun like this is just a fun movie i think i feel like actors would love to be cast in something like this where they can just kind of have a lot of creativity with their performances and stuff it's like when you sit down to watch a Quentin Tarantino movie, right? He always gets such an awesome cast of um, well-established actors and actresses in his films. And it just like elevates it to another level, it feels like. It's a treat. That's that's what I was looking for. It's a treat to watch something like this. It's really good to see Daniel Craig get to break out of the, the Bond role. I know he said that he's pretty tired of it. Oh, I bet, yeah. Which, we, you know, we had him in Dragon Tattoo, but he basically played reporter Bond, you know? He was once again brooding and tired and mildly British. I feel like he was just having a blast. <laughs> he was like, look how great my foghorn leghorn accent is. <laughs> like KFC. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky Fried Detective. Yeah, I'm happy to... A lot of these people, I'm just happy to see them away from, yeah, they're... Like Chris Evans, you know, like, cool, he's doing something, you know, besides Captain America. It's been a while since I've seen him do anything like this. Stuff like that. It's just cool to, yeah, see them step outside of maybe, like, franchises and stuff that I'm used to seeing him in. Or genres, even, that I'm used to seeing him in. Yeah, it really gives each person in this movie a chance to shine as an actor or actress that they don't necessarily get in all the typecast movies that they're put into. Because they're all very popular um, actors and actresses and they've all been kind of typecast some kind of way in the past into a certain role and they get to kind of break that and do something fun and you can tell they're having a blast doing this except christopher Plummer, he's who i would expect him to be in this well he's, he's pretty old <laughs> and he does awesome in this movie too he is great I love it when he just goes and, as Daniel Craig puts it, cleans house with all of his kids and relatives. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, and I mean, just the, the chemistry he and Anna Darmas had in their scenes where it was just the two of them, it was perfect. I mean, it felt so natural. Yeah, she was the main star of the show in this, which I wasn't expecting going in, honestly, but... She does a great job. Well, they didn't really show that in the trailers. In the trailers, they showed all the diverse, eccentric characters. I don't even know if they really showed much of her in the trailer. Like, they, her name was up there when they were flashing all the famous names in here, but... Yeah, I was probably distracted by, you know, like, oh, Chris Evans? What? Jamie Lee Curtis? What? <laughs> Michael Shannon? Huh? It's like... I know all them like way better than her, so yeah, I probably just like <laughs> just sidelined. <laughs> but yeah, she does great in this movie. She's really, really good. She holds her own with everybody. So like, I don't know, but yeah, what she's been in before this. But Blade Runner twenty forty nine is probably what you know her from. Oh, who's she in that? She plays the uh, AI. She's Joy. Okay, I remember that. That was her biggest role, really, before this. She is going to be a. Uh, a Bond girl in the next James Bond movie, though. It's cool to see her and Daniel Craig get some on-screen chemistry going before that comes out, even. I didn't even think about that. You're right, Fox. You know, if I did have any, like, minor complaints about, like, a character, 
the son of our millionaire author, right, Walt? He's got a wife. And I think his wife has like one line in the whole movie. I don't even know why she's there because she's a fairly, she's a fairly big name actress. She's been in a ton of TV shows and sitcoms, does a lot of voice work. I don't even know why she's here besides just throwing her name on it. <laughs> yeah, she only has like a scene when they're like having that family discussion and the, uh, during the party, like she's talking in there. But yeah, I can't think of anything else she does in that. They don't even interview her when they're interviewing like the whole family. Maybe they got cut or something. That is weird that they she doesn't get any time in this film at all. Which I didn't catch it the first time. It was this time around that I noticed, and I was like, why is she? Like, everybody else is so, like, niche and has, like, their thing. And then there's just this random lady walking around with them. <laughs> like, who is that? Yeah, I kind of forgot about her, but, yeah, she doesn't do anything. I did, too, yeah. Who who even was there? What? Which one was his wife? The only scene I can remember is, yeah, during that scene where they're talking about, like, immigration and stuff, and she, like, stands up or, I don't he can't remember what she says. It's literally, like, five to ten seconds of her talking, and then that's it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about her. Like I said, the first time I saw it, I didn't even catch it. I, <laughs> I was really looking this time for things to, to talk about. <laughs> Which, that's a pretty minor nitpick, mind you, but in a movie where there's so many, like, iconic people, it feels strange to have somebody just be there <laughs> with no purpose. Like, why did they even pay this person, you know? They paid her! <laughs> like, even, like, the minor characters, like, uh, the great-grandson who's always on his phone, he's got a plot point that he has. The the cook or whoever, that the caretaker lady that's not the nurse, Fran, she doesn't really say anything much in this, but she's got a plot point that she has in this movie, but not the wife of... Michael Shannon, right? That's Michael Shannon's wife? Yeah, yeah. That's true. I don't even remember her, really, in the film. I gotta say, the first time I saw Michael Shannon, he's, like, in the background, and he's kind of blurred, but he looked like uh, Mark Hamill. <laughs> he does! You're right, with the goatee. I thought Mark Hamill had, like, a cameo in this for a second there. That would have been cool. I would have been about it, yeah, because Mark Hamill is also a phenomenal actor who uh, would have fit in perfectly in this cast. Michael Shannon is awesome, too. Man, he's such a creep in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's great. I love Michael Shannon so much. Yeah, and in this movie, he's just awesome. He's also in Kangaroo Jack. I know. I love him in <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. God dang it. He's Frankie Lombardo. Uh, you know, everybody's got their uh, low points in their career, but that's... Uh, you take that back. Ooh. He's great in that movie. <laughs> There's going to be a new murder to investigate here. <laughs> I already have two suspects. Yeah, I can't remember. I'm sure he did fine. So we, we've talked a lot about the cast. The The plot for this movie is actually really good, too. Yeah, yeah. And what do you know? It does subvert expectations a little bit, which, you know, I'm okay with it. I think he pulls it off in this movie pretty well. You know, th this is the right genre for that kind of thing. Anyways, it just fits in perfectly with this. I don't know why, but every, t every time I talk about Ryan Johnson, I feel like they give a PSA like, I thought episode 8 was just okay. I didn't hate it, I swear. <laughs> I don't know why I got this urge. <laughs> but every time I talk about it, I feel like I have to defend it. But I just know that's the <laughs> meme around him now. It's the subverting expectations. Just so you know, don't come at me with pitchforks. He does it in all his movies. He does. I haven't seen Brick, but in Looper, he does it in that one too at the end. I still will stand by. I don't think that guy should have even been close to a Star Wars movie just because of the way he makes movies. 
the more I've seen of his stuff, I have no idea how that guy got picked to make Star Wars Episode Eight. I have absolutely no idea. I think he likes to try new things. I think, you know, he likes to think outside the box, which, you know, it can work pretty well for people. But yeah, that's he takes risks in a lot of his movies. It's not a bad thing. That is not a bad characteristic of filmmaking. I actually am very, you know, I respect that a lot in filmmaking. But I don't want to talk about Star Wars. We've got a whole review series on that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Where we've got over all these details, if you're interested. I don't don't think he set out with this one to divide the audience, though. I don't think he did either. This does not feel like a Ryan Johnson movie to me. Kind of a little bit, but... I haven't seen all of his stuff. I have seen Looper. I did watch it a while ago. This feels like Ryan Johnson's wheelhouse right here, this kind of movie. For what he wants to do with plot and characters and all that stuff, this is like him firing on all cylinders, I thought. And it was fun to watch that. And speaking of like the script and the story, man, it felt great. It felt like... He took a lot of time going through and planning everything out and what all the characters would say. It felt like really airtight, just really well done. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think, yeah, the perspective of it, the way he shifts the perspective of the classic whodunit was really an interesting take on it. We're like, I mean, there still kind of is that whodunit aspect of it, but it's when you're watching it, you think like, oh, we know who did it, but now we have to watch them like try and cover it up. That kind of viewpoint. It's really cool, like a totally out of left field and really surprised me. But I was like all in on it. It was very interesting. Man, he got me real good with it. We were like in the theater watching it. Like the first five minutes, you know, I'm like, what? He already told us who done it. How is this a who done it? Way to go, Ryan Johnson. I was so, so annoyed right off the get-go. And then he, yeah, he does that cool perspective change and then kind of brings it back around with some plot twists to a who done it. Yeah, Daniel Craig's like, well, there's still the mystery of who hired me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> he very much subverted my expectations. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very fun because the best, mystery movies in a whodunit they they drip feed you information to make you think one way and then they'll give you something else that makes you think oh well they couldn't have done it then that had to have been somebody else and so as the plot keeps going there you're slowly getting more information as the characters get it and so it's very interesting to see oh anna de Armas killed christopher Plummer right at the start and then the more it goes you're like, okay, well, hold on. Something's not right here. Something's still wrong. And then you're getting the aspect of the investigator is actually working with the person who murdered him. They're working together. She's trying to cover it up. He's trying to figure it out. It's a lot of different dynamics that I did not expect to happen in this movie. Yeah, and there's almost like, for me at least, when I first watch it, there's this feel of like, is Daniel Craig actually a good detective? Or is he kind of, you know, just really like, flamboyant and weird and kind of you know showboaty because it's kind of interesting but then at the end it all like ties he's like okay yeah this guy really is what he says he is because he's you know he kind of misses some stuff he's like how could a detective like of his quote-unquote caliber like you know just (laughs) miss everything like this yeah misses with quotation marks right yeah they pull it off at the end but 
I just like that dynamic too, where you're kind of questioning, you know, Daniel Craig, he's kind of got that goofy persona about him where you're like, you know, maybe this guy isn't as smart as everybody thinks he is, but it's like, oh, he is. Yep, he is. <laughs> I, I love it at the end when he's talking um, with Anna de Armas's character and she's like, did you know from the very beginning that I had something to do with it? And he's like, Yep, and just points at the little speck of blood <laughs> on her shoe. I was like, man, I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knew from the very beginning, but didn't play his cards and held on to them as long as he possibly could so he could get the information he needed. Oh, it's so cool. And Anna de Armas learns from him and does that too at the end of the movie. Literally, whole. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. As long as she can. (laughs) Yeah, I like that about it, too, the more character dynamics of, yeah, our main person who, you know, is covering up the murder, she actually cannot physically lie without vomiting. And, like, that makes it even more tense, you know, (laughs) with her walking around with the lead investigator. It's great. What a wild twist. I gotta say, that one's definitely kind of stand out for a long time as, like, a... Like, when I describe this movie someday to someone, I'm going to be like, well, there's a detective and a girl who always vomits when she tries to lie. That's, like, such a good, like, gimmick, you know? Such a good, like, riff. And it's clever that he was able to do so much with it in this film. Yeah, it is a fun character quirk that she has that makes her unique from everybody else in this movie and stand out. I just got to say, Daniel Craig's name in this... uh movie is so awesome benoit blanc i love that name it's so cool it is cool <laughs> those like police friends are calling him benny <laughs> hey benny <laughs> i love that guy too whoever plays what is his oh i should know his name lakeith stanfield yeah i love lakeith stanfield he's awesome in this he doesn't really get a lot of time to shine but man he's great just like all the other cast <laughs> he's really starting to become a big name in the industry i mean he's in sorry to bother you and as much as we hate to talk about it, he was in Death Note. <laughs> he was. He was L. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that. I forgot. You know, I don't have a ton to say about this movie. There's a lot of layers. I mean, there's the whole layer behind all of this that you brought it up earlier, Terry, where the whole family is built on this empire of murder mystery stories, and they are currently in a murder mystery and it fits perfectly, you know, with their characters. They would fit perfectly. In a, they're in a murder mystery, I mean. Like, there's that whole layer there as well. And it's just a fun treat to watch this movie is. And I enjoyed it a lot. Do you think Christopher Plummer knew that he was okay when it happened? And then he just killed himself kind of the, as a way to get back at his family? Mm, I don't think so. He seems a little scared, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he'd already cut everybody off, so I don't know why he would then kill himself on purpose. I do think you're on to something, Dan, because he was like, oh, after this amount of time, I'm supposed to feel these side effects. He does kill himself after the specified amount of time where he's supposed to start feeling the the morphine overdose side effects. I think he was doing it as a final gotcha And he wanted to go out in style, maybe. The family says that he loves to play games with them. Like, everything was a game to him. So to me, it felt like maybe just his last game, gamifying the situation a bit. 
by pitting Anna DeArmas against Chris Evans and stuff. I do think it's interesting because he does write down in his his notebook, like he's like, oh, I got to write this method of murder down. Yeah. <laughs> and so the method of murder was written down in that notebook if the investigators would have read it. Ooh. I think that's an interesting dynamic that wasn't huge in there, but it's just a little like Easter egg that's in there as well. So that that is a very good point, Dan. I like that. That's such a tense scene right off the bat, you know? Like, we've just come to know the characters, and we already feel, like, attached to them. And she messes up, and she's like, okay, I'm just gonna get the antidote. And he's like, Marta, Marta, you've got the antidote, right? Where's the antidote? Like, man, your heart's pumping, and you're only like, yeah, five minutes into this movie, and you're like, I don't want Christopher Plummer to die, you know? I don't want Anna to, like, go to jail for this. She's a good person. Yeah. You're already attached to her a lot by that point. It's a great setup. It is. It really is. I was going to say, I got a lot of um, Arrested Development vibes from the family in this, which was awesome, (laughs) because that's like one of my favorite comedies and television shows, (laughs) just with how crazy and eccentric and how unfunctional the family is, unless it's something regarding money yeah they all have a similar goal when that comes up but yeah that's what i really like about it too it's just like very funny movie as well as like maybe not necessarily always laugh out loud sometimes it really is but you know it's more of like you're just like smiling the whole time just because it is so wacky and all these characters are yeah being funny and dysfunctional yeah it's it's one of those where someone will say a real stinger to the other character and then you're gonna out loud you're gonna be like oh <laughs> or you're laughing i think what got me the best was how that the <laughs> the old mother the matriarch was always standing in that window and scaring the crap out of everyone <laughs> including daniel craig he just, that was the best. he's just talking and then out of nowhere he's like holy bees <laughs> or something <Long> and, <laughs> and it pans and he's just staring at her is that you ransom <laughs> already oh mike you just reminded me. I love it when these movies put the information you need to solve it right out in the open like that. And this one does it too. It's so clever because when they do the flashback to it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that I forgot about that. Well, the the best murder mystery movies do do that. They put it in there so you can solve it from the start. Even like mystery novels, they do that. And it's it's fun because you can go back and watch it a second time and be like, okay, yep, I don't know how I missed this the first time, but it's like you always do when it's the best ones. You have to watch it twice, you know, to really get it. This one does a good job of it. Even with all the twists in there, you can figure it out along the way if you know what to look for. Yeah, the editing, everything is just really, really good in this movie. Even, yeah, like the cuts and the pace, like the comedic timing, everything. Yeah, it just works really well. Yeah, it's like another weird thing that I caught in this one is they kept calling um, Michael Shannon's son a Nazi. And then they always like cut to him. He's just on his phone. <laughs> I, they, they didn't show him doing any like... <laughs> racist stuff or <laughs> he's the internet troll yeah they he posts stuff online and that's what they keep saying yeah are you aware of like the story on him i don't know i must have missed every time they cut to him he was just like on his phone sitting in the back supposedly 
You know, supposedly, I, I don't have a source here, but <laughs> Ryan Johnson has supposedly said this character is a representation of all the people who criticized episode eight on Twitter. <laughs> oh my gosh. Of course he would. I don't know. He probably means, you know, like the obviously racist. Yeah, the obvious like internet trolls making death threats at the Rose actress. Mm-hmm. That's who he's talking about. He's not, I don't think he's talking about everybody. Is that what that is supposed to be? I didn't catch that at all. He calls Marta some like, I, I, like, uh, like 4chan-esque like names. In the scene where they're all yelling at her. Yeah, and the what's her the other daughter, Michael? Is it? No, it's Tony Collette's daughter. She's like getting like the liberal arts, you know, like social justice warrior degree is what they say in the movie. And then like they they kind of have some remarks back and forth with each other about being Nazis and being yeah social justice warrior. There's a lot of like really meta political humor in this movie. It's all very present. That's one thing. I almost forgot about it because of everything else I liked so much in this. I didn't care for all that political stuff being in here. It feels out of place. It felt out of place in The Last Jedi, and it feels out of place here. I'd say it's more justified in this because they're doing it to show how like crazy and biased these characters are, which I get. But it's out of place in this type of movie, I think, too. I thought that at first, too. But watching it again, like the whole movie is about what they're talking about. Like, it's about the family. It's like, this is ours. This is ours, our right to it, you know. And then when the, you know, quote unquote, like foreign, not from the family person comes in and gets all their money, they get all mad. It's like, well, you never had a like right. You weren't going to get it either way. Like. And all the themes do tie together. And I think if he wouldn't have done that, I might not have actually even like picked up on it. But I think that he does kind of, when they're having their conversations and stuff, like it works both ways, shows the dysfunction and it like ties into the whole theme of the movie of privilege or inheritance or whatever. Yeah, but he does it already too, where Michael Shannon has her come up and he's like, you've been good to um, our dad and everything, and we're going we're gonna to take care of you and make sure that you're, you and your family are all right. And then when it goes to the, she gets all the money and they all turn on her and want all the money for themselves and then threaten uh, her with her illegal mom, it still accomplishes the same thing without needing to have all that political stuff in there. I guess I just mean like like the scene where they specifically call out the current president feels a little like like maybe it won't age so well, you know, like maybe in like 30 years people will be like, what the heck are they talking about? And I think the joke where they don't know where her family is from would have been like enough to get across that they're like elitist and probably closeted racist. <laughs> that was a good way to do it, I think, Fox, um, because it was humorous because of how like clueless they are about her in reality. And it gets it gets that across without having the cross into the political crap stuff. Right. It's like we don't come to this to watch that. We come here for a funny whodunit. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, though, because they do argue both sides in the movie. It's not like he I think he's kind of casting blame at both sides because there was arguments about the politics. And then at the end of the day, they're both, yeah, like scraping and screaming and yelling at her because they think they're owed this money and everything. 
He's not pointing necessarily at one political party or the other necessarily. He's saying, he's like, well, look, either way, the, both these people turned out to be pretty like greedy and terrible. So, Which we don't need in this whodunit film, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to remember that over anything else in here. It's something that's superfluous in the film and doesn't need to be there. I get that. It's You want to watch this movie to escape. You don't want to be challenged politically when you watch this. Well, I mean, I'm not against something like that, but this is not the avenue for it. It wasn't the avenue in Star Wars. It's not the avenue of this movie either. I think that's maybe why it works so well, though. I think it's a super approachable movie. I think it's pretty generally pretty easy to ignore the political overtones besides the fireside conversation. But if you want to delve into that, I mean, there's like that super satisfying scene at the end, you know, where she's on the balcony looking down at the driveway and the whole family's down there and she's holding the coffee mug and she slips her hand down a little bit and you can see my house on the coffee mug. I mean, and it's just like, you know, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that awkward whenever the family gets together and they start talking and having drinks and talking about politics. It really does kind of like feel like that a little bit, too. Or I think it adds a lot of layers to the to the family. Even it does accomplishes a lot with that scene. I feel like I get why he did it. I just for me, I don't think it needed to be there. And I think he could have done it with, and he could accomplish the same thing with a different avenue, like like we already talked about with the each one of the family members saying the wrong like descent of Anna Darmus's character or something. I mean stuff like that. I get it. That stuff didn't take. Um, too much to the light to me. I was enjoying all the other stuff going on in this one. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? Like, you know, if you're looking for it, you can find it and it's there. But if it's not why you're watching the movie, then it's really just like a minor footnote, which, yeah, I, I think is part of the appeal of this one is it works on a lot of levels. Maybe instead of cramming the poster down your throat, he just kind of holds it up in front of you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you want to take a nibble? You don't have to eat it if you don't want to. <laughs> you can turn away if you want. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, it's Daniel Craig with a Southern accent. Look at him. <laughs> I do think it's hard to review this movie and not address it, though, because we don't have a lot of media content that's, like, so meta. You know what I mean? Like, the only other thing that comes to mind that really specifically addresses like day-to-day -day current issues is like always sunny in Philadelphia, which is absurdly like... <laughs> you expect it in that, and that's the more appropriate vehicle for it, I would say. You know, Chris Evans kind of reminds me of um, a character from that show a little bit, which is funny, like when he's finally meeting up with the family and just <laughs> antagonizing them. He's such a terrible person in this, and I love it. <laughs> I love how smug he is in that scene. I do like how they build up to uh, Chris Evans showing up. They're like, oh, Ransom. We, we heard voices from Ransom storming out. <laughs> and then when he finally does show up, I mean, the payoff is awesome. He does such a great job acting in this because you know he's, he's a jerk, but... He plays off as this likable jerk when he's talking to Anna Darmus just one-on-one. -on -one. And, it, well, he's, he's stewing up his plans the whole time, which you don't, you don't know until the end of the movie. You start thinking to yourself, you're like, okay, maybe this guy isn't as bad. And the rest of the family was really mean to her as she was leaving. And he does that duality so good. And I'm like, I want to see Chris Evans and more stuff like this because he nailed it. You know, I almost feel like this movie was playing off 
the Marvel films we associate him with. It definitely was. You know, they say all these terrible things about him, and then he shows up in this classic car wearing the, like, pilot jacket and, like, the sunglasses, looking like he's freaking Tom Cruise and Top Gun, and we're like, yeah, that's Captain America. That's an all-American guy, by God. You can argue <laughs> he still is. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Now let's get political, boys. We're back. <laughs> It was very nice to see him. Like, he does an amazing job as Captain America, but he's he's one-dimensional as Captain America. What? He's he's a paragon. Uh, I wouldn't say he's one-dimensional. He's a lot more subtle with his character <laughs> stuff than everybody else is. I don't know. Captain America is one-dimensional, I'd say. I would have to concur with Mike. He's not a bad character, okay? Chris Evans does amazing as Captain America, but he's not an interesting character. Captain America, to me, is not interesting. This is the whole Batman versus Superman character argument here, right? So I don't want to get into it too much. <laughs> that is an argument we could have right now. <laughs> <laughs> the undertow is dragging us in. <laughs> Knives out, baby. Oh, geez. The listeners don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Evans isn't in this a ton, but when he's in there, his his duality is so awesome for the screen time that he has. You know, especially when he's on screen with all these other duality characters who are all over the place and eccentric. It's it's so fun. There's so many dynamics, so many eccentric characters all interacting together, and they all have these different personalities. It really shows um, the talent that these actors have and that Ryan Johnson has writing and directing all of this together into a cohesive movie. It's it's really pretty cool. And, you know, I think it looks really good, too. Like, it's shot really well. The colors all pop. Like, visually, like, it stands up really well compared to some of his other stuff, too, I think, which is nice. It's obviously not maybe as insane as, say, like, yeah, The Last Jedi or something, but... Like, it, it's really good looking as a movie. It is, yeah. Like, Ryan Johnson's always made good looking movies. Episode 8 is the best looking Star Wars film out of all of them. That or Rogue One, I would argue. I got a lot of Wes Anderson vibes from this movie. And the way that color was used, the way that um, set pieces were used. Like the, the scene with the chair with all the knives. In the suits they were wearing, the outfits, the, the blazers, you know, the dresses, whatever. All the colors come in together in kind of an awesome, you know, set piece as well. Like it's visually appealing to go on top of everything else. Even um, Anna de Armas's character looks like stylish and cool in this film. And you wouldn't expect her to without like her situation. She's like a more normal character, you know, compared to everybody else. But she still is like, she's got her own style and looks good in this too, just like everybody else. So it's impressive how they're able to balance that with the rest of the cast so well. And in such a cool location. Man, this is great. Did they build that house for the movie? That's what I want to know. It, it reminds me of uh, of Del Toro's house in Crimson Peak, kind of. The set's like a story in itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, are you guys ready for some overall presentation on this one? Yep. Are we solving the mystery of uh, Run the Reels rating? 
Well, let's see. I'll, we've got some clues. First is burn it. Mm. Then we've got pass. Mm. And then we've got watch it. Mm. And then we've got buy it. Mm. And they were all in that order. And when they're used to rank movies from lowest to highest. Um, so I wonder what our conclusion to this mystery will be using these clues. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Nice. Yep. Oof. Definitely was just <laughs> making that up as I went. <laughs> I'll solve the mystery of who goes first before any shenanigans happen. Ooh, ooh, no, wait. Ooh, this ooh, isn't ooh. a mystery. This is up to fate, my man. <laughs> we don't need fate here. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> wait a second. Wait a minute. Wrong Ryan Johnson movie. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that brings me in. I was in a weird spot after watching The Last Jedi and coming into this when they were, you know, teasing Ryan Johnson movie, I was kind of like, Bleh. but I was very intrigued by the whodunit aspect in the cast. I was like, all right, yeah, this does look pretty good. And I did want to watch it. I just hadn't got around to it. I was pretty pleased. I enjoyed this movie a lot. I'm honestly going to give this one a buy. It's fun to watch. I think Ryan Johnson's in his complete wheelhouse here. You can tell he's having fun doing what he's doing, uh, directing, and he had fun writing this. You can tell the actors are having fun getting to be eccentric and different, break kind of their stereotype characters they've been typecast into. And it's got a really good plot to go along with it. Lots of plot twists that I was not expecting at all. This was a lot of fun to watch, and we need more movies like this to come out. I'm going to give this one a buy it. Wow, that's quite a quite a clue there. To, uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry, TV. Yep. Let's just keep going with the uh, the metaphor here. I, I finished my scotch, so it just kind of rolled out there. <laughs> you know, I I too was kind of in a weird place. I uh, I didn't necessarily blame Ryan Johnson for Episode Eight as much as I did the entire production administration at Disney. But I still was pretty wary of seeing a movie from him, especially because I'm not a huge fan of Looper. But man, I tell you what, you know, like uh, growing up on like Agatha Christie novels and Dennis Lehane, like I love whodunit stuff. It's hard to find contemporary films that really fit in to like the classic whodunit kind of niche, you know. Nowadays it's all thrillers and horrible, sordid murders with gross meat hooks and blood and gore and this was really nostalgic in that sense you know it really captures that kind of goofy as dan said earlier tongue-in-cheek kind of feel of the uh, the detective calling everybody into the drawing room with the fireplace and laying out the clues but it also subverts those expectations and does something kind of new which is neat you know there was some minor gripes we had with uh one random character who didn't need to be there and maybe some meta-political humor that might have been a bit touchy. But ultimately, I think this movie is super approachable and that's one of its major strengths. If you want to delve into it, look at Layers, it's there. If you just want to watch a fun, goofy movie, it's definitely there. I too got to give this one a buy it. I, I would watch this one several times over, I think. I love it. I hope it uh, revitalizes the genre and Ryan Johnson continues with this trend. Yeah, this movie is pretty awesome, I think. Um, the cast alone is stellar. Like They all do a great job. They've all got unique personalities. They play off each other perfectly. 
And yeah, it's just like a fun mystery. And even when you think the mystery's been solved, like another layer appears of the mystery that you hadn't even thought of. And then it keeps going deeper and deeper. It's really cool. And it's a really interesting perspective to take on the whodunit kind of genre. I think I'm going to give it a bite as well. I think, yeah, just the cast, the visual, everything just works really, really well in this movie. And it's nice to see, yeah, Ryan Johnson just kind of, this really does feel like something, you know, he really is passionate about. It feels like the whole crew and cast is passionate about it. It's just something fun. And it looked like everybody was having fun making it. And you're going to have fun watching it. So I say just buy it. This is a very clever whodunit that um, takes aspects that you would expect from the genre and subverts them in a good way. It's great. Oh, it, it tells you whodunit at the start of the movie pretty much. And then you have to watch her try and cover it up. But then more foul play comes to be and you have to try and figure out who's actually behind everything. Um, from the get-go. It's great. It's really cool seeing it flipped on its head like that, um, especially since Daniel Craig knows that Anna de Armas had something to do with it from the start, but doesn't ever say so and just keeps her by his side pretty much for most of the film. It's really cool. And uh, the focus on her was a neat take, too, instead of focusing on, like, the detective or... A member of the family. She's a kind of an outside party, which is nice and it's a good vehicle for the viewer. The cast is stellar. It's great. I haven't seen a cast this good since probably Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I guess, or even um, before that. It's, it's great. It's a treat watching all these seasoned actors and actresses display their full talent on screen. It's a feast for the eyes. It's very appropriate that it came out during Thanksgiving. It's clever. The writing, the story is like spot on. It's superb. It's so tight. The location is great. I love the house they're in. Um, it's got a lot of character itself and just everybody's great in this film and so interesting. The only negative I had really was the political overtones in this film, which I don't think needed to be there at all. That aspect of the characters could have been explored in a different way and still get the same effect without pissing people off. But I think Ryan Johnson likes to do that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I get why it's in there. And Terry did bring up good points for why it should be in there, too. So you could say that's personal preference on my end if you want to. This is great. It was a nice surprise. Uh, it was super funny at times, too, which I wasn't expecting. It really is like a true whodunit, where you're just sitting there having a good time watching the movie. I think one of the trailers was advertising it, saying it's the best time you'll have at the movies all year, or something like that. And I'd probably have to agree with that. It was great. I had a great time watching this with my wife because we're sitting there trying to figure out who'd do something. And then anytime we had an idea while Daniel Craig was doing his monologue, we'd be like, shh, shh, <laughs> he's talking, be quiet. So <laughs> it was great. We had a great time watching it. And yeah, I'm going to give it a buy it. It was really, really good. Ryan Johnson, you should take up that franchise deal. 
um, if that's still on the table, because I want to see more of these. Have like Daniel Craig go investigate a new family or something every movie or whatever. That'd be great, I think. And a lot of fun. As long as it's all up to this caliber of filmmaking, I'm all for it. The mystery has been solved. Run the reel. Found it as a buy it. We solved it. Yes, it was a buy it all along. He was in the attic with the candlestick. I always knew it was a buy it. <laughs> well, there you have it. Knives out. Buy it. What a twist. I'm glad you guys liked it. I was curious to see what you guys thought about this one. I'll always give directors a fair shake on their films, even if I absolutely despise something else they've made. I'm worried about this whole franchise thing, though. I don't know. Like, I don't want him to milk it for all it's worth. I feel like this is a great one and done kind of thing. But I don't think he'd milk it. If, if he did different cast, like a different stellar cast every time, but keep Daniel Craig as the detective, kind of like the classic whodunit books where you just have the, the trilogy of Benoit Blanc or whatever, where he's doing a new investigation somewhere completely different with a different crazy cast of people. Or something like that. Let me ask, because there's a lot of movies that go along with somebody really good makes the first one, it's awesome, and then they pass on the sequel to somebody else, and it's not very good. I only want Ryan Johnson to do them. I haven't heard anything about this franchise, so is like the plan to keep Ryan Johnson on here? Yeah, it probably depends if he wants to do it or not, I would guess, yeah. Probably, yeah. Well, and I heard the rumor, I think I even read this, maybe it was yesterday, but a movie about the great-great-grandmothers in pre-production, that really old lady. It's like, really? Do we need that from a nice out? Like, I'd be satisfied with, yeah, just Daniel Craig going around solving mysteries. That's about the only way I'm going to be like, yeah, this is good. If it, I don't want it to follow any of the other characters, really, at all. I just want Daniel Craig to solve another mystery. Yep. Just axe every other character except Daniel Craig. I mean, I guess you could bring Marta as Watson. I wouldn't necessarily hate that. If Ryan Johnson stays involved and like directs some more of them, then I guess I'm okay with it. And I, I just don't want him to, yeah, get too crazy. Like, I don't really want great great grandma movie. Like, I don't need to know her origin story. I don't. I really don't. So who's so, uh, solved the oh. mystery of Wait. what's it gonna be next week? <laughs> Not Terry, I hope. <laughs> I guess I won't be asking the questions around here, detective. I think the investigator said we need to search for clues in uh, Gosford Park. Oh, interesting. Yes, I suspect foul play. Off to the dreary shores of England, eh? Yeah, I've never heard of it, so I'm excited to watch Gosford Park. It says tea at four, dinner at eight. Murder at midnight. Ooh, with a tagline like that. How could it be bad? Yeah, that's a great tagline. Wow. Whatever happened to taglines like that? You never hear stuff like that anymore. Now we just get stupid things like The Hunt, the most talked about movie you haven't even seen yet. Yeah, taglines nowadays are just like brought to you by the producers of it <laughs> <laughs> from the studio by the, you. the guy who watched the production of this through binoculars in yeah. his apartment across the street <laughs> but yeah gosford park is next week if you didn't know audience that's what we're doing yep so i'm excited this looks great oh, all right well how do they get in contact with us where are the clues to that 
So if any of you listeners want to get in contact with us with your own recommendations, comments, concerns, whatever, you can uh, hit us up on Facebook or on Twitter at Run The Real. Or you can email us at runtherealpodcast.gmail.com. Hit us up. We want to hear from you. Do you like Knives Out? Is it a, a good mystery movie? A classic, even, of the genre. Are you glad that Ryan Johnson's trying to bring the whodunits back? Let us know. Give us an email. Drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Well, anyways, thanks for listening to us tonight, everybody. We really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next week for our new episode of the Who Done It category. This is Run the Real, signing off. Mm-hmm.